My name is Sean Jordan. Welcome to the Adaptive Outdoorsman Podcast. Here we'll be discussing the history and legacy behind disabled hunters, trappers, anglers, and how they adapt and persevere in the woods, on the line, and on the water. Welcome, everyone, to the podcast. I'd like to introduce my guest, Nate Thomas, of the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. Now, we're going to get into why he's on first, but I want to get into a little background from my own son, when you guys started and the why. Uh, we started, actually, our first um, our first show started Memorial Day 2020, because uh, I remember it, it just happened to fall on that Tuesday. So, mm-hmm. um we are, as you and I sit here talking, we have 149 episodes um, released. Uh, we release weekly uh, on Tuesdays, and we have not missed a week since we started on that Memorial Day in 2020. So our next show will be our 150th, so that's pretty cool. That is awesome. I missed a few during hunting season this past year. Apparently, it's very hard to get people on during hunting season. Yeah, it, it's difficult. And, uh, you know, we, we get lucky because there's three of us. So mm-hmm. worst case scenario, we just record a show about what we've got going on or, you know, something that might be going on in our state or yeah, hot topics, news, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm going to start getting into doing the topics and everything adds a little bit more to it. Right. Because I, I know there's a lot of different things going on with uh, the disabled outdoors community. And it'd be great to share that with them. Yes, there is. <laughs> mm-hmm. I uh, actually had on, not had on, I actually was talking to somebody recently about disabled out, disabled people in the outdoor media. And he was like, well, why is that a thing? Is there a niche for it? And, you know, this not understanding about people wanting to get into that from the disabled community. And I was flabbergasted. I was taken back and it actually further pushed me to go and say, I don't care. I'm going to keep doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Cause I, I don't feel like, uh, folks with disabilities are considered a niche. Yeah. You know, they're just, I don't, yeah. Just dudes and ladies that are in the outdoor world. Uh, they just happen to maybe be in a wheelchair or, or whatever is going on with them. But um, I wouldn't say that's a niche. That's just folks. That's just people. <laughs> so, yeah, but. I've had a couple of people, great people say, thank you for being a representation of us. And it's like, that's who I am. I mean, I was literally yeah. born with bilateral club feet, heart murmur, a few other fun things. Yeah. So I'm guessing we're going to so, talk about it, but we just, we just had an event um, mm. with, uh, an awesome organization in our state, but I'll let you get to everything first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So a little more background on you guys. Uh, when did you've been hunting your whole life or not me personally? Um, so there's three of us on our show. There's myself, Micah and Andy. Andy has been hunt- hunting his whole life. Micah pretty much his whole life as well. I think Micah might've started when he was, you know, maybe in his early teens, Mm-hmm. Andy has been hunting since he could walk essentially. Um, but me, I didn't start hunting until I was probably around 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in college. I know that. And my wife, girlfriend at the time, um, came from a farm family and my brother-in-law took me turkey hunting when I was in college with him. And nice. That was uh first day I ever went turkey hunting. I'll never forget hearing that gobble right at, you know, right at sunrise and just chasing that, chasing that mm-hmm. ghost at, at the end of the day, we never even saw a turkey that day. Ah, I take that back. We did, but you know, never had a shot at anything and it was just such an adrenaline rush. And then that, that fall, my other brother-in-law <clears throat> took me uh deer hunting for the first time and I killed my first buck with him. Mm-hmm. I watched him kill a buck the weekend before. And then I killed a buck the next week. And it was just such a rush that I was kind of hooked from there. And then, you know, just like anything else, any other hobby, um, you get into it more and then you find out you like this or that. Mm-hmm. And, it, 
I like this other type of hunting or whatever. And it's kind of morphed into what I'm, what I'm doing now. So, yeah. 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 I, um, I started out, my son was a year old and I had him when I was 27. No, no, excuse me. I was 29. So I was about 30 when I started hunting and my father-in-law was trying to bond with him. That kind of didn't work out too well, but he got me into hunting and I had already had a shotgun from when I was a kid and bought some shells and I was poorly dressed for it. But, you know, you study hard on figuring out what's deer's going to do. And lo and behold, I shot a deer. It was a buck in state land. And me being the inexperienced individual I am, up oh, there's blood, no blood, chase immediately after him. Right. And so we lost him on my first try, but yeah, I was like, holy cow. I put this deer on his back. You learn quickly, on, you know, yeah. I mean, some yeah. people, you know, some people get lucky enough to have mentors in the outdoor mm -hmm. world where they, you know, they can learn uh, quicker, I guess you'd call it, or learn some of the do's and don'ts right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And then other people just, they go out and make mistakes and they learn from mm -hmm. them and, uh, you know, they move forward. You know, not everybody's lucky enough to have, uh, Fred mm -hmm. bear as their uncle or something, taking them out hunting yeah. for the first time. That'd be great. But yeah. Right. Um, tell you everything you need, proper clothing, proper everything. Yeah. My first, my first time out, I was wearing steel toe boots and a coat that was blue and that smelled like steel and oil. Yep. And my feet were freezing. I was cold. And I think over the next two years, I learned, okay, let's get some overalls over these legs, mm -hmm. hunting overalls and whatnot, get a coat, something to block the wind because dear good Lord, the wind gets cold in Indiana. Yes, it does. <sighs> but after that, you know, it's like that progressive learning. My father-in-law barely went out with me much of the time. And he, when he did, he just sat me someplace then left because he was feeling his body was starting to give out on him. Then he's still around, but he's got Parkinson's bad back and a few other diabetes and a few other things. So he doesn't hunt anymore, but you know, he just dropped me off at this precarious place where you had to get down and whatnot. I'm like, Holy cow, are we going to fall to our deaths doing this sort of thing? <laughs> yep. And I remember one time I was wearing all this, you know, windproof gear and I'm out in the cold but I'm sitting there I'm like, oh, this is fine. Starting to snow, it gets heavier and heavier. And I'm finally, you know, cold enough that I'm like, I'm out. And I have to trek everywhere I came in heavy snowfall. And I can just feel the muscles in my hips, my arms, my legs just seizing up because they've been sitting for too long without proper warm blood. And that's when I made the decision. Okay, adhesive body uh, pads. The heating right. types that, and from then on, I've been using those and no problem with mobility after that. If I have to sit out in the cold, cold. Yeah. That's, that's probably one of the the things that worries me the most with new hunters. Uh, not exactly, not the last thing you were saying, but you know, with that inexperience and if you don't know what you don't know, mm -hmm. you can have, well, for instance, I, I probably, the first time I killed a deer, I was in a blind with my brother-in-law, like I told you. Well, mm -hmm. then the next year, maybe the year after, I wanted to start bow hunting. So I got a bow. Mm -hmm. And I went to this property where there was a couple tree stands from a previous hunter. And that hunter said, you can go use my tree stands. No problem. You know, just hop up in them. Well, me not knowing anything about anything, I just climbed up in them. Yeah. And, and probably the fourth time I climbed up in that tree stand, I fell out of that tree stand 20 feet. Oof. Um, I got to the very top rung right before you stepped onto the ladder and the rope broke and I fell straight backward with a gun on my back it was during rifle season with a gun on my back, um, straight, straight down on my back. And I just, I walked right away from the, from the incident, not even a scratch on me. Like I fell onto a cloud of pillows. I mean, you know, luckiest person in the world, but 
unfortunately, a lot of people don't get that lucky and they have, you know, severe injuries, broken backs, death. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the biggest thing that scares me with new hunters is not knowing proper tree stand safety just because mm -hmm. they aren't aware of what it is. Um, yeah. And so I, I just wish there was, you know, a way that new hunters n could understand hunting is not worth your life. Yeah. And to make sure you wear a harness, you mm -hmm. know, if you're going to be up in a tree, if you're in a, a yep. blind, obviously it's different, but, um, you know, I've always been one of those guys since day one that likes to be in a tree. So after that event, you know, I just kind of shrugged it off like, Oh, that was crazy. And then started thinking, you know, I had a, a wife and at that time, two children at home and I could have left them all behind Not having, because I was yeah. chasing a deer, you know? So then you learn, okay, let's make sure that everything's strapped down with good straps, harness and straps on those. Because I've, yeah, I've seen videos of guys little testing out the tree stands they just put up without a harness on, without a catching of any kind. And they drop to the ground through trees mm -hmm. and it's like, you know, not worth it. No. Yeah. And that tree stand had been there for years. So those ropes on those sticks had been sitting out in the weather for years. Who, who, who knows how long? Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I was just dumb, young and dumb about it. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of the tree stand. My father-in-law took his buck out of the year prior. He, had said actually it was the same year i went out and used that tree stand a, like a couple of weeks later or something like that i'm up in there and it's a nice frost over it and everything he says oh i don't have a harness for you so you're just gonna have to use a belt and latch yourself to the tree with it literally giving me a belt to wrap around my body and then the tree and it's at such a bad angle it's a whole old wood one everything is frosted over and i'm slipping and i'm like looking at this i have a shotgun in hand i'm like this is not worth death no no none of it is even so, even a 250 yeah. inch deer is not worth uh trying to die over it's just just not yep, so i got down out of that dang tree stand and my father-in-law was like well why'd you leave i'm like i'm not dying over a, a deer bill no literally so i'm not yeah, my safety and my health is not worth a world a record class buck or anything and he scored a record class buck out of there but it's like seeing what he was up and doing in there i'm like you are lucky you are still here yeah so it's, it's a risk that's for sure yeah and he's you know like i said he already had issues i mean i think it was a little year before it was actually in during archery season he went was walking in the reservoir and it was dark out. He didn't have proper lighting or something, and he fell into a ravine and landed on a a stick or something, and it broke a rib. Ooh. Yeah. When I say this man took a lot of freaking uh, risks, I am not joking. Yeah. Sounds and like I it. Do not I do not advocate for that. <laughs> I understand trekking around things, up and down things, but we went down into uh, the reservoir's ravine area where a buck was bedding. We never saw the buck, but he saw us, but we had to go down a steep embankment with, uh, well, I think, yeah, it was an archery. So we were both using crossbows and we had to, you know, crossbows are heavy. Yeah, they are. And we're, and we're going down a steep embankment with that thing thing. I'm like, are you kidding me? And a lot of crossbows are cocked at the truck because they're, yeah. you know, they're loud and cumbersome to, uh, to load, I guess you'd call it. And so, yeah. you know, a lot of crossbow hunters are walking in, um, with a crossbow cock. Now they might not have the bolt in. So, yeah. but you know, that's a lot of, uh, a lot of force that might fire if you, uh, fall down on it or whatever. Um, yeah, you can potentially break the limbs and those things can fly up and hit you in the face and everything. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, it, taking the amount of risks that was involved, I'm like, nope. So. I learned from that and and no, this is not me trying to bash on my father-in-law. It's just, I learned from all the unnecessary risks and just started doing everything on my own. Learned from guys like 
you guys, Steve Ranella, you know, saying take the role reward when it's not the risk of your life sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I always liked, uh, listening to a podcast, nine finger chronicles. Um, back when I started listening to podcast at the end of every single one of his shows, he would say, wear your damn safety harness, you know? So if you had a new hunter listening to that show and that person heard that, you know, they would, maybe that would make them go, what is that? What is a safety harness? Look Um, it up and go from there. Yeah. So my big issue with, uh, getting into tree stands is I have no push on my feet mm -hmm. because I can't move my feet. So all that pressure is literally going on there. So I have to use leg power instead of feet power to push myself up a little bit. And so climbing ladders is fun for me. Fun in a not so ha ha type of way is what you're saying. Yeah. I'm a lot slower than most going up something when I'm a 250 pound adult. Right. Right. I hear you. (laughs) So that's my fun experience with tree stands. I want to eventually try it, but, you ever see the video of that one? It was electronics tree stand. Yeah. I, um, I actually saw it in person at a uh, show. I don't remember what show we were at, but um, yeah, the guy got into it and up he went. And then, yeah, it was interesting. How tall, how high up was that? It was probably 15 feet. Um, but mm. I would venture to guess that tree stand is very expensive uh, for what it did. But how quiet was it? <laughs> I don't remember. Um, it was several years ago and mm. I would venture to guess it probably wasn't that quiet. We were in a show, so it was loud in there. Yeah. And I, I remember hearing it work, so it probably wasn't really, really quiet, but um, it was definitely an interesting concept. I mean, cause I mean, yeah. he, just, he walked right in on the ground, um, sat down and it, it was like an elevator almost. If you think of it that mm-hmm. way and up he went to where, you know, so the, the only thing is somebody had to, somebody had to connect the tracks to the tree that went mm-hmm. up, you know, those had to be connected to the tree. And I can't remember how those got connected. Um, I would assume somebody had to climb the tree, but I guess if you only had to do it once, it's better than every time. Yeah. But, or pretty much it, it's similar to how sticks work. You basically just, put it against the tree, lock it into place. Because I think I've seen some of those where, you know, you just put it against and it's already got everything on the backside and you just ratchet around and locks right. it in. Right. But the power supply would need for that. You'd have to carry with you because batteries don't work well in cold weather. So you'd have to carry that in, put that in place, plug it in and then pray to God, it doesn't stall on you on the way down. I just threw off the ground in that situation. Yeah, I've got a t- uh, about it's slightly elevated, maybe about six inches off the ground, but it's a ground blind. You and I can sit in there with full size chairs and be comfortable standing up. Yep. Yeah. And I'm like, I'll st- I'll shoot out of that. It I don't get snowed on or rained. Yeah. And what's what's interesting is it's funny how different people are different. I hate blinds. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just like I'm one of those guys that for several reasons. Like I like being out in, in it, even if it's Mm -hmm. snowing, like I've, I've been rained on. And, um, and I also, a blind does the same thing to the hunter that it does to the animal, right? Like it also takes Mm -hmm. some of your senses away, some of your ability to hear, Mm -hmm. see. So when I'm, uh, when I'm not in a tree, I, I usually just am on a stool on the ground. Um, you know, I'll I'll find a spot I like, I want to set up in and I'll just, sit next to a tree on the ground, uh, you know, and have my bow in front of me or whatever. And, um, the only time I've been in a blind the past 10 years, let's say is with my sons because kids obviously have a harder time standing still or sitting still easier Mm -hmm. to pick off more than one person. So I've, I've been in a blind with them, uh, when they've gone hunting. But otherwise, I don't think I've been in a blind in in, in a my own hunting scenario in at least a decade. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I I cut my teeth on public land without any assistance from blind stands or anything else. I mean, 
like I said, I shot my first deer sitting on a stool attached to a tree wearing essentially work clothes and bundled up to beat crap in the back. Uh, then when I shot my first buck that I actually was able to harvest, I'm sitting on a down log facing east. I know, excuse me, facing, yeah, east. And here he's coming from my backside. And I look over and I have to pick it up and aim and shoot him. And he turns at just the right moment where it hits him right on the shoulder plate. And because I'm in a dead chest, I hit him on the shoulder plate and it slides all the way down, not hitting a single organ and then pops out belt line on him. And he passes because it literally just lit up every single uh, vein in his body. Right, right. So, I mean, I heard him come and I'm looking, holy crap, that's a buck. And he about a year and a half old, but like I had never harvested one yet. So yeah, he was done. That's cool. Yeah. And I think I've harvested a yearling fawn fresh out of spots one time without a blind. So, but yeah, like I said, I can go in hunting without a blind. I I had no problem with it, but the place yeah. I, ha- I hunt it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And I know lots of people that like, that's all they use is blinds and, um, yeah. other people, all they use is tree stands or, you know, now saddles is a new thing in the hunting world where a lot of people are using those and, um, which don't get your thoughts wrong. on saddles. Oh, I, I would try one. I would definitely try one. I don't know how I feel about it because you putting all that pressure on your feet, right? Well, the idea is when you get set up, you don't have any pressure on your feet. Mm. It, you're kind of like sitting in a hammock. Now, I've never used one in the woods, so I, I don't. I'm not highly educated on it. Yeah. Um, which uh, you know, for me, pressure on my feet isn't that big of a deal um, because even in a tree stand, I stand all the time. I'm always standing. I I, I hate sitting yeah. for whatever reason. Um, so a saddle doesn't scare me if there is pressure on the feet. Um, but from what I've, you know, been kind of told about them when I've tried them out at shows or whatever is, you know, the pressure is yeah. off the feet when you're kind of just sitting in it. And the yeah. nice thing about a saddle is you're 100% tied off from the second you start climbing till the, till you're ready to hunt because the saddle yeah. is your harness, which is kind of nice. Um, you know, cause some people don't tie off the entire time. Some people, uh, like me, I'm usually climbing the tree and then hooking in. Well, there's yeah. a small window of problem right there. Um, yep. now when I'm hanging new sticks, I'm always got a lineman's belt going up the tree. But if I've got a preset set of sticks, usually I'm, I'm climbing up to where I've already got my harness hook up in. And then I'm hooking in. So I've got a small window right there that I could get hurt um, yeah. with a saddle that eliminates that possibility. But I haven't used one yet. I'm interested in them. It's just a matter of, you know, spending money on something. Yeah. My problem with uh, standing all the time is, especially on like concrete surfaces or something, my feet will start to tingle and go numb. Yeah. So constant standing for me is a no-go is a no-go hard no is what Mm -hmm. you're saying oh yeah so i'm looking for the thing okay i'll try a saddle if i can i mean i'll even try conventional bow if you put it in my hands and show me how to properly use it right actually i want to do it because it's something new yeah something different yep mastered i know how to use a rifle i know how to use a crossbow i just and i've shot a bow occasionally but it was my nephew's and I would actually like to learn properly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, standing up in those uh, blinds for me is a no-go. I I would actually have to have a seat, at least something to keep my feet from being constantly put pressure on. I'm like one of those guys that likes to stand, sit, stand, sit, stand, sit. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't like standing too terribly long and I don't like sitting too terribly long. I've got to, I've got to maneuver around um you know i don't have anything um that would be considered a disability you know that i have to worry about other than a knee that i've definitely uh i've had five knee surgeries on my left knee so that's turning into an issue um 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, that was through my own doing, unfortunately. It's just sports and, you know, getting older. But, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, um, you know, a guy, a guy like me, you, you take for granted the um, what you can just do in a normal mm-hmm. day. Like, if I feel like going and climbing a tree, I just go climb the tree. Um, even if my leg is sore or whatever, um, I just go do it. I have full use of both my hands, you know, my neck, my entire body is, is, um, Mm -hmm. usable, I guess you'd call it. And one thing I thought was, you know, really cool, um, which is why, you know, I was excited to come on your show when you talked to me is, um, we recently just did uh, the first ever coyote hunt with the Missouri disabled sportsman. Um, the Missouri disabled sportsman is a, is a organization in the state of Missouri <laughs> nonprofit organization that is dedicated to, um, yeah. getting, uh, folks who have disabilities in the outdoors. And this yep. was the first ever coyote hunt for the Missouri disabled sportsman. So we actually were lucky enough to take three, uh, mobility impaired individuals out on the first ever coyote hunt for, for that organization. And, um, you know, it was, it was a lot of things for me. I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it, but you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was eye opening. It was, um, sobering for a guy like that takes for granted what he is able to do on a daily basis. And mm-hmm. also, um, inspirational watching the dudes that we were taking hunting just freaking like take, take, take the bull by the horns and just say, yo, I'm, I'm doing this. Um, mm-hmm. whereas if I were in their same shoes today, I'd have a pity party for myself probably, you know? So, yeah. um, it was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Yeah. We, I had Pete on, uh, a while back and he was talking. Yeah. Their biggest motto is we give them the tools they need necessary. They're the ones to get the job done. That And that's, that's and- a fact, man. We, the guy we took out hunting was named Josh and, um, you know, he just, I mean, he didn't ask for anything other than I need this chair. I mean, cause mm-hmm. matter of the matter of the fact is I can't get around without this chair. So, but he did everything else. I mean, it, you know, mm-hmm. um, we hunted hard all day long and, um, well, actually Andy and Micah hunted hard with Josh all day long. I didn't meet up with them until the afternoon from, so I had some family stuff, but, um, yeah. you know, they went back to the, uh, the lodge we were staying at and took a short nap so that he could stretch his legs out a little bit. And, and that was it like hard the entire day. No different than, you know, nope. if, if he was fully mobile. Yep take a little bit of a break, get back into it and go. I mean, if you're going to go hunt something, you want to do something passionate, you're not going to stop. I mean, I know, um, Shannon Cortman of he's up in Michigan. He, uh, went with a nonprofit hunters for life on a bear hunt. This dude's got several palsy. He's in a chair. They had to essentially gurney, uh, carry him through the woods because they were using hounds. They tried using a track chair. They tried using regular chair. They ended up having to carry him, and then they end up having to need to fire him and carry, you know, on a gurney or something with a bear at the end because it was a sled. And they got him to the bear, and he ended up using this 357 Bushmaster and popping a bear out of a yep. tree. It's pretty awesome. And he, he did not complain one bit because that was the best time of his life. Yeah. And uh, we actually, we know a young man. Um, his name's, I don't know if you've listened to the episodes with him, but his name is Vince Hausman. We've had him on our show at least once trying to go back through and remember what show it was. Um, it was decently early on, um, in our, I guess you'd call it Career. podcasting life, mm. but he is, um, I don't re- remember what his disability is, but uh, he has a hard time. He, he d- obviously do- he doesn't walk, um, you know, has issues with, uh, he might have spina bifida actually, but anyways, yeah. I, I just don't remember cause I don't focus on that with him, but, 
Uh, Vince is a freaking warrior, man. Like he wanted to kill a deer. He wanted to do it like his way. And he's yeah. got such a, a good friend in, um, a buddy of ours named, named Tristan Williams that they just go out hunting together all the time. Yeah. And whatever they need to do, like, I mean, Vince would, Vince would get on Tristan's back and they, they would just mm. like get out, go after the Turkey, you know, where they needed to nice. get to or whatever. And, um, the, uh, it's so aggravating because I am looking for the show right now and I can't find it, but I know I'd find it. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, I actually just looked him up since you were talking about him. Like he's a nice guy. I mean, he's definitely done some stuff. Vince. Yeah. Yeah. He's a young fella. He's a, yeah, probably 17 years old now. Yeah. Somewhere in there, maybe not even that old yet. Yeah, he's playing basketball. Everything. Yeah, he, he does it all. Yeah, he's in a basketball league. Um, here, here it is. It's so on our show. It's episode number seventy six. Um, and he actually, uh, yeah, he does have spina bifida. That's that's what it is. But um, he killed a uh, a buck that year. So we talked about his first first ever archery buck that he killed with a crossbow. Nice and um, nice. You know. Uh, it's just really cool what he was able to do, but that that event that we did with Missouri Disabled Sportsmen was, you know, just really cool. Just because, um, you know, none of the three hunters that we took ever have gotten to go coyote hunting. And what's cool with you know organizations like Missouri Disabled Sportsmen is that they're able to m- facilitate those things being possible. Because if, yeah. if you've ever seen one of those track chairs that they have. I've seen images of them. I've looked at them online. <clears throat> Dude, those they're things like, are they're tanks. Like mini tanks. That mm-hmm. track chair got around easier than I did because it was so muddy that day that, you know, you're slipping and sliding and, you know, your feet are getting heavy. And those track chairs just shit it and get it. Like they just go. And, but they're super, super expensive. Oh, all of them are. So for a guy I've, just to go buy one so that he can go hunting is is next to impossible. So, you know, yeah. MDC is able to facilitate it where all three of those hunters had a track chair. Mm-hmm. And myself, Andy and Micah and Pete. Um, and then uh, some friends of ours named Jesse and Harley. And then uh, Brandon and his buddy, uh, Matt, all got to take a guy out hunting for the day. And even actually the night before, a little fella, his name's Will, um, he's probably middle school age, somewhere in there, might be in high school. Um, him and his dad came and we took them out night hunting with one of the chairs uh, for a few little quick things. And none of that happens without those chairs because it just, you know, coyote hunting is a different type of a sport where you're moving around a lot. You're making a lot of changes and yeah. in and out of trucks and um, to and from low places, uh, places in and out quickly to different spots. And it's difficult to accomplish if you're just, uh, if you don't have that ability to have a chair like that. And, um, yeah. so it was really cool. Uh, yeah. I've had the pleasure of lock- looking at a few other options in terms of uh, equipment other than the track chair. And they are all about the same price tag. But there's this thing called a, four, a Coyote 4x4 four four Outrider. And I'm not kidding you. The wheels are at least, I got to say, three or four inches thick. About that. I'm showing him how width I can see. And they can go up hills. They can go in rivers. Everything like a track chair. I know there's a few other places. They actually have ones where their hand movements and like you're driving a freaking little go-kart. Uh but yeah, the adaptive equipment that have has come out to help disabled individuals get around in the outdoors. I mean, these are pieces of equipment like the Coyote Outrider. You can go coy- uh, coyote hunting, elk hunting in those, or fly fishing for all that matters. I mean, uh, I've had a guy on uh, Chad Walagura of a program called Able Outdoors, and yeah, he's the duck hunts in them. I think. Actually, no, he was fly, fly fishing, but he actually knows the guy that distributes them and they can get them for, I think, you know, rentals or something. Yeah. 
But, and that's and that's I awesome. Mean, they're amazing. I, I think it's great just because you know folks um, who have you know some sort of mobility issues or uh, whatever whatever disability you want to call. Um, mm-hmm. There are there are programs out there, organizations out there, and items out there that are making it easier to get in the outdoors. I mean, thirty mm-hmm. years ago. If you wanted to go hunting and and you were paralyzed, you're either yep. someone's either carrying you or uh, you're crawling your ass out there. Like you don't have any other options. Yep. Now I know. You know there's at least products like the track chairs, and then there's mm-hmm. organizations like MDS, and I'm sure there's a a comp or an organization in your area too. Yeah. Uh, that kind of can help with that stuff. Um, yeah. Which is which is nice. Yeah, I know there's a uh, company, Be Adaptive Equipment, out of uh, Columbia City, which is about maybe 30 minutes away from where I'm at. They are the largest distributor of adaptive equipment manufacturing in the world. And also, they're, you know, small town. I mean, they're a small 12-person facility, mm-hmm. and they make this stuff. And seeing the sip and puff trigger system for it, and I'm, you probably saw that be, be, being used on how it literally gets mounted onto the track chair in the V setup. Everything's clamped down, the trigger, everything. Seeing that thing being made alone is awesome. You ever seen that thing fired off? No, Pete. Well, yes, Pete showed us a video and um, yeah. of a guy using it with their organization. And you want to talk about somebody who's really practiced their craft. Um, Learn, you know, knowing how to be able to fire a, a firearm effectively and accurately with your mouth, mm-hmm. and that's just, you know, that makes me that kind of embarrasses me, honestly. You know, when I'm sitting here, I got all my capacities, and I can't hit the broadside of a barn sometimes. And this dude's, you know, shooting with his mouth and just hammering stuff. Yeah, I know. Uh, there's a video I saw from Able Outdoors. Of they were setting up this guy and they put a steady cam system with a firearm so he could move his arms. He just couldn't move his fingers. So they velcroed the gun to his bot to his arm so he's able to steady cam it to his shoulder, sip and puff trigger, and this guy is able to sky bust birds with it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Just kind of so, goes to show you that if you have a passion for something, it doesn't really there's nothing stopping you from doing it. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you want it, you can, you can make it happen. Um, and you know, I just think it's, uh, it's admirable for anybody who wanted to do anything. Um, you know, if I wanted to go jump off a damn building, it's admirable that I want to do that. I'm never going to, but, um, you know, but today, if you were somebody who is, you know, paralyzed from the waist down and you wanted to go skydiving, you can you know, oh, yeah. you just, you have to, you have to want to do it. And that's no different than anybody. You have to want to do something mm-hmm. and you can make it happen. And, and I think it's, uh, you know, like I said, I, I, we enjoyed our, our hunt with, uh, Missouri disabled sportsmen. We're planning on doing it again. This isn't the first thing we're doing. Um, mm-hmm. our podcast is always the three of us have, has always, um, thought a lot about the, you know, the disabled community. Um, just because, uh, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but Andy's brother, uh, has cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Andy, his whole life is growing up with a, a guy, um, that has had a disability and I've known Donnie my whole life or not my whole life, yeah. most of my life at this point when I started dating his cousin. So, um, you know, Andy's always had a part of his heart that he wants to help people that, um, you know aren't as fortunate as he is when it comes to his, his, his facilities and his body. Um, and this was an opportunity for us to do it. And yep. we had a blast. We almost got Josh, a coyote didn't quite happen. I was about to ask, did you see any? Yeah. So, uh, before I joined up actually, um, Andy, Pete, Micah and Josh, uh, they called in a triple, which was really like a two and one, two coyotes came from one area and another coyote came from the other way. And 
Um, Pete actually had one of the coyotes at 80 yards um, dead to rights. But, you know, the idea was for Josh to kill a coyote, not for us. So um, they were trying to get Josh on the coyote, and he ended up shooting twice and just, you know, missed. It was about a 250-yard shot, so wasn't the easiest shot in the world. And yeah. um, he ended up missing. But we were the only group uh, that were able to see coyotes that day. It was a bad day to hunt. It was, it was pretty warm, decently windy, not too bad, but it was about 65 degrees. So it wasn't a great day to call coyotes, but yeah. next year we're going to probably do it a little differently. We might move it back a month. So it's a little colder um, and yeah. the coyotes are still in their breeding se- season. Um, in our area, I think the coyotes were kind of done breeding by the time we went hunting in early March. Yeah. And so it makes it harder to call coyotes in when they're kind of denning up and not really traveling. Mm-hmm. So we might move it back a month, make it easier for the, for us to call coyotes in and then hopefully just get lucky with the weather and it's not 70 degrees and sunny would make it a yeah. little nicer. <laughs> so, yeah, you've seen some of the, uh, back to the track chairs. I wanted to ask you, did they have the uh, camo covers on the guys? No, we, we had them, but we never used them. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So the uh, lodging, you don't have to give a location, but but I saw pictures of lodging of that dang place, and holy cow, that was beautiful. Yeah, it's called uh, Duckhorn Outdoors. It's a, uh, it's actually called Duckhorn Adventures at Duckhorn Lodge, and yeah. it's a place uh, in the town of. Uh, it's well, it's not in town, but it's near Uric, Missouri. And what they do is is that that Duckhorn Adventures. They, it solely exists to get people outdoors who otherwise couldn't. Mm-hmm. And now it's not just, not, not just disabled, uh, people. It's, it's, uh, veterans, women, children, um, anybody that just doesn't have the ability to get outdoors. That's what Duckhorn Outdoors is there for. And they've nice. got some great, some great people that run that organization or that, that place. And they were, they were terrific to us. I mean, they let us stay there. We ate their food. We sat in their, you know, their building, um, everything. And they yeah. didn't, and they didn't work. Re- they didn't require anything of us. We even offered to help them clean up the next day. And they, they were like, no, thank you. We, we got it. You know? So they were, they were terrific. Dang. Um, the owner of that or of that place is, is a great guy. And, um, yeah, they do a lot with the veteran veteran groups in our area as well. Um, yeah. a lot of duck hunts and waterfowl stuff. Um, so yep. no, you, you couldn't tell from the name, right? Yeah. <laughs> you guys do a lot of waterfowl hunting yourselves or no, I don't do any of it. I haven't waterfowl hunted, um, maybe twice in my life. No, you and I are on the same page on that one. Yeah. Uh, it was fun. I went duck hunting once and goose hunting once and, uh, the goose hunting sucked because I didn't see anything, but the duck hunting was cool because we did. I didn't kill anything, but um, I don't know, man. I just, I've got, I love deer hunting. I, I love elk hunting and I love cow hunting. And I don't think I could add another thing to my list. I'm trying to do them all if I can. I've done morning dove hunting. I've done deer hunting. Uh, recently got into rabbit and squirrel hunting, which that was fun. Yep. Iron, iron sight 22ing, uh, 22 and shooting them. Yeah. So most people are like, Oh, you're supposed to use a scatter gun. No, I'm going to go for precision. Yep. Yeah. First, uh, first, actually first animal I ever killed was a squirrel with a open sight 22. Nice. Yeah. They, they hold still on those trees. They don't really realize they're in danger yet. No, no. Yeah. And actually the first mm-hmm. squirrel I ever killed was a squirrel in a tree and um he caught himself halfway down when he f- was falling and uh and he stayed up there for a good 20 minutes um dead mm-hmm. but he caught himself and then just got stuck on a limb and so um the first squirrel I, or the first animal i ever killed was a squirrel and i had nice. to wait for it to fall out of the tree so that was my first uh, experience nope i was uh taking out nuisance animals for the squirrels and do you guys get any black squirrels down there? 
No, I've, I've never seen one. I mean, I think they do exist in our area. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, 99.9% of the squirrels we have down here are either grays or reds. Um, yeah. 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 It's very interesting to see a squirrel, a big squirrel. I'm talking at least a two pounder and nothing but black fur. And I have killed at least four of them. Yeah, that's cool. And they're only indicative. I think they've moved into the area. They're only indicative to, I think, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Southern Michigan and our area, I think. Yeah. You'll, you'll hear yeah. about like My, small pockets of them in areas. Uh, I know an yeah. area near near me where there's a veteran cemetery. There's a there's a group of them, but yeah, you don't hear about them anywhere. No, you don't. But yeah, I got into that, and I'm hoping to do elk hunting sometime in the near future. But that's later down the line. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the problem with elk hunting is you're not going to get any younger. Yeah, no kidding. And the attrition rate is like, what, 20% only are successful? If that. I think I heard that from you guys, actually. Yeah, if that. If that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not likely that you're going to kill one. I mean. No. But it's it's just the the experience is more different than, you know, or is more, almost as much as rewarding as killing. Now, I, I... I'm to the point now where I, I'm trying to kill one because I'm getting tired of not, yeah. but, um, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's just different. Now are you guys going to be doing this next year. You guys are going to be doing your, uh, DIY hunting like you always do. Yep. Yep. Probably the, right. the, the unit in Colorado that we went to changed their stuff up this year. So mm. we might not actually get to go there. Um, and we, we might not actually get to go at all if we don't draw, but mm-hmm. our plan is to go. It just depends on what happens now because the state of Colorado keeps closing down over-the-counter units and turning them into draw units. And, yeah. uh, you know, we don't have that many points built up yet when we might not draw. And if we don't, I guess we're not going. Might give us a chance yeah. to do our coyote tour that we've been wanting to do. Right. You guys are going to try and think about another state then if you need to for over the counter? Um, maybe the other, the other state that might be over the counter is Idaho. Um, I believe Idaho is a decent state for over the counter, but it's just so far away. Um, you're talking oh, about a two day trip. And, um, so you're using four of your days just to drive there and back. And I don't know. We, we don't know what we'll do if we don't draw, but, um, we actually have mm-hmm. a, a meeting as as a group here in the next week where we're going to try to figure out what we're going to do. So, yeah. well, that's I'll, good I'll have know that more about a week. Schedule. Yep. Right? Well, don't look at me for traveling that far yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I might try uh, – I don't know what I'm going to do for elk hunting, but I've it's eventually what I want to do. I went to uh, the guy that measured my buck, and I'm telling the – listener for the first time my 2020 buck 21 2021 buck that i bagged he measured and you and i went over this before net score was 130 but the gross score was 141 yep and and i'll take that buck any day nate thomas says and that's are for fish so it's 141 inch deer right well heck the guy that measured it he says uh I would shoot that buck all day long, every day. And that's coming from a professional that's been in the industry for measuring bucks for 20 plus years. I'll take it. Yeah. And I wasn't going to say it. I mean, that was a big, heavy deer. He gave me two boxes of meat when I had them processed. Good. Because, you know, you're going to have a deer process when it's a special buck. Most people would do it anyways. Yeah, you should. You shouldn't. You should always utilize the meat, uh, whether you're donating it or, or eating it yourself. Oh, yeah. 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 I think we finally finished him up this past year or so. That was a good amount of meat. So what's good. the plans for Missouri Woods and Water in the future? Uh, well, it's it's March 17th, actually, today. Happy St. Patty's Day. But right. um, 
you know, um, spring usually gets pretty busy for us personally as, as individuals. And, um, I got some kids in sports. So uh, honestly, the next couple of weeks, I'm probably going to start putting mineral out and start thinking about next deer season and, mm-hmm. um, thinking about what we're going to do with our properties. Um, probably going to coyote hunt a little longer and then let them rest for a while until the pups are on the ground. And then we'll probably get coyote hunting a little more in the summer. Um, mm-hmm. and then turkey season's right around the the corner and hopefully I get some turkeys show up. Um, they haven't yet, but if they do, I'd love to take my son or sons out and, and try to get them their first bird. I know Andy will be turkey hunting. He usually turkey hunts every year. So, um, that's what we got coming up and then some, you know, some good shows, hopefully down the pipe and, we're just going to keep, keep plugging along. All right. Any dream hunts you want to go on? Dream hunt. Yep. Yes. I always ask every guest. <laughs> yes. I would like to go hunting for red stags. Aren't those in New Zealand or Argentina or New Arm- Zealand? I don't care where. Yeah. Just I'd like, I'd like to do it. Right. I think mine would be the, and I think I've told this before. I know I have. Mine's the mountain goat. A guy with bad feet wanted to climb a mountain. That would be a good one. Yeah. Mountain right. goat. Um, I like to hunt a wolf, but you know, if, if you made me pick today, I would go hunt a red stag. Yep. I don't blame you. I mean, those are some beautiful deer. Yep. Well, uh, do you want to tell the audience where you can be reached at? Yeah, we can. Uh, you can find us on any podcasting platform. Uh, just search Missouri woods and water. We are also on the sportsman's empire podcast network, which is, um, also findable on any platform, but, um, social media, we, we do have it. We don't use it uh, a lot because we, we don't love it, but we are on Instagram. Just check us out on at Missouri woods and water all spelled out Facebook, same thing. And then we're on a, an app called go wild, which is a, uh, a social media app designed for people in the outdoors. So we kind of like that one and you can find us there on Missouri woods and water as well. So check us out and then give us a follow. All right. Well, thank you, Nate, for coming on and talking about your great experience with uh, some disabled outdoorsmen hunting coyotes for the first time. It was a success regardless, I would say, because they got out and they got to do what they wanted. And Thank you, everyone, for listening, and remember, stay adaptive.